1: a-R-T-O-F-M-A-N Podsurvey.com man. Thanks for your help. Brett McKay here and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. So uh, last year, I went and switched over to a garage gym. Uh, in My house and it's it's been fantastic, but it's not without its problems. You know for starters There's the, the issue of space How do you cram in a gym when you have to fit a car in your garage as well? Cutting down on costs so you don't spend a lot of money furnishing your garage you know, like which equipment do you need and then the other part is motivating yourself when you're working out by yourself There's no other people around it's dark outside. It might be 30 degrees outside. That happened during the wintertime. How do you motivate motivate yourself to get out down there and work? My guest today, uh, he has spent his career doing garage gym and helping people transition to a garage gym. His name is Jared Moon. Uh, He's written a lot of content for our site, how to make DIY fitness equipment like DIY Prowler. He's got a new book out, though. It's called Garage Gym Athlete. And today on the podcast, we're going to talk about how to become a garage gym athlete the pros and cons of garage gyms, the math of garage gym, the economics of garage gyms, um, why it might be more affordable than a regular gym and how to motivate yourself when you're working out by yourself. A uh, really interesting podcast. Uh, if you want to listen to the show notes with links to the resources we mentioned in the show, you can go to awim.is slash moon. And as always, I appreciate if you would uh, give us a review on iTunes or Stitcher, if you enjoy the podcast. Jared Moon, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, Brett. Thanks for having me, man. Really glad to be here.
1: All right, so you've written some great content for us over the years about strength and fitness. Uh, the stuff that's been really popular is your DIY gym material, You know how to make gym equipment for your garage just with some wood. Uh, you even have like used basketballs to make medicine balls, and you've written a lot of other great content over there, your site, End of 3 Fitness. But you've got a new book coming out called Garage Gym Athlete. It's about starting a garage gym in your garage, obviously, and how to program when you're working out by yourself in your garage. I'm curious if you can tell us your story of how you started a garage gym and why you decided to go that route instead of going to a big giant globo gym.
2: Yeah, man, I, I could definitely tell you the story of how I got there because it was kind of, I mean, it wasn't necessarily on purpose. I was uh, in the Air Force in uh, 2010, had just gone active duty, and... Uh, at the same time, my wife and I were in a lot of debt. We were actually in a hundred thousand dollars in debt, and we were really aggressively trying to pay that off. So, we weren't just sitting in debt and doing nothing about it, which uh, all of our extra money was going that direction. So, it really limited how much money we had. And, uh, I was in pilot training at the time, and I'd been injured, and I was kind of uh, on bed rest of, for a little bit because I had had to have surgery uh, from that injury. And so, I'm just sitting around and super passionate about fitness. I mean, I always have been. It's not something I picked up when I started the garage gym. I started at a very young age in, in fitness and I decided I wanted to make a garage gym because um, this, my introduction to the Air Force was much like anyone else um, joining the workforce. You know, extremely busy. Uh, you find out what real life is kind of going to be like, how much time you're not going to have. And so I decided I was going to start a garage gym to be a little bit more efficient and uh, save money and, and just be able to work out at home and, and get it done. So that's kind of the, the quick backstory of it. I just did it pretty much out of necessity.
1: Right. You say we save money because I think a lot of people hear that starting a garage when they hear starting a garage then there's a lot of startup cost to it. You get to buy a lot of equipment, the barbells, the plates, etc. Can you really save money on a garage gym compared to paying just 20 bucks or 30 bucks a month um, at a global gym?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of depends on where you're going. Um, if you are, you know, like a Planet Fitness that costs 10 bucks a month or something, obviously, uh, you could save a ton of money going somewhere like that. But it also depends on what kind of fitness that you're interested in. And I think that's where the the big split and shift happens for me, because I'm, I'm more strength and conditioning, you know, is what I'll call it. Um, kind of similar to CrossFit, but not really kind of similar to strength training powerlifting but not really so just strength and conditioning in general and being able to do that stuff like really out of planet fitness they have the lunk alarm that shuts you down they actually kick you out of the gym if you make any noise Um, and so you can save a ton of money if you look at it uh, long term and something I actually break down in the book is there have been a lot of corporate wellness studies done uh, in corporations where they they look at uh, their employees and they they say, okay, for every dollar we spend on the well-being or health of our employees, we get X amount back. And you know that—that that being them being more productive, missing work less, and all sorts of stuff. But what they found was, uh, any for every dollar they spend, they were finding that they'd get between a, a three to five dollars back, and some extreme outliers all the way up to thirteen dollars back for every dollar they spend. And so, you know, if you look at it that way, if you're not that consistent at actually going to the gym and you feel like having a home gym is going to make you more consistent uh, other than actually saving you money in the long term because a, a, a gym membership is forever uh, you know you kind of have the sunk cost after you spend it and then that that equipment you have in a garage gym is going to last forever and so after that it's all savings it's saving on health insurance by being healthier it's working out more being more productive missing less days of work and, and all that stuff so yeah i think that a garage gym Ah, uh, versus a commercial gym or Globo gym can definitely save you a lot of money, especially if you're more into the, uh, i say the fancy ones, the Globo gyms that actually do charge you closer to like 200 bucks a month. You're obviously going to save a ton of money uh, by going garage gym route.
1: Right. I also feel like with Globo gyms, and and for those of you who don't know what a Globo gym, it's sort of a derogatory term that people in the CrossFit, powerlifting world use for big gyms with weight machines, saunas, and things like that, towel service. Uh, when you're going to a gym, you're often paying for services you don't even use, right? I mean, you might go there, but you never use the weight machine, or you just use the barbell and the squat rack. You don't use a towel service or their sauna, so you're just paying for stuff. Like, you might be paying 15 bucks a month for stuff you don't even use. But with your garage gym, there's going to be a lot of upfront costs, but you're only going to have the equipment you actually use.
2: Right. It is a definite – it's a definite – uh, different way of looking at training. I mean, you really go, my recommendation for most people is going bare bones. And and so we only like we really strip it down to just what you need. Uh, and then if you want to get crazier, as you realize that a garage gym is awesome. Uh, you know, like, like my, my garage gym started bare bones. And now I basically have my own like training facility built into my house. But you know, where you go from after you start it is up to you.
1: All right. So what are the bare bones things that you would need to start a garage gym?
2: You know, I, I actually don't recommend a, a lot. Uh, just a barbell and some plates to get started. And uh, you know, I have a ton of DIY projects I've done. And, and the first one, if I had to go back, the very first one that I would do is uh, squat and bench stands. So it's a super simple project. You just buy a couple of four by fours, throw them in a some of those big gallon buckets you can get at Home Depot. I think they might be like five gallon buckets. Uh, and then pour cement around them. And then you have uprights to set the bar on. Um, obviously, that there's a little more uh, detail to actually how to do that project. Um, but that would be the first project. So now you have barbell, you have weights, and you have somewhere that you can squat off of and bench off of. So you obviously need a bench if you're going to do bench press. But you can do strict press and all sorts of stuff. And, I mean, that that squat, pro the stands project is going to cost you 30 bucks, And then the uh, barbell and plates depending on where you get it i mean it could cost anywhere from 300 to a thousand dollars really depends on the quality of your equipment but grand scheme of things not too expensive but that'd be my recommendation for starting out uh very very simple stuff right there
1: where do you suggest people go to get the best uh, equipment i mean should they buy new um where can they go if they want to buy used i mean one of the things you advocate is um if you're going to go use, buy stuff on Craigslist.
2: Yeah, so one of my favorite things, and it, it's still working right now, is actually how I've bought a few items, is, uh, have you heard of Ift the IFTTT? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's if this, then that, and you can go to the website uh, to check them out, and it, it basically have they have what are called recipes, and it's triggers, so if, if something happens, then it, it'll do something for you, and they have a, all sorts of cool stuff that they do, but one of the things that you can do is you can set up a search in Craigslist, and uh, the search in Craigslist could be say for a barbell, and then you can also select the price range and your location. So everything, your your criteria, and then um, if that ever pops up in Craigslist, uh, you'll get an email. You can set it to where ift will send you an email, and then you right there you have you you'll get the the first dibs, the first shot at it, because a lot of people aren't doing this, uh, and. I originally, I, I saw this, uh, but not, not for a garage gym use. And so I, I was like, I'm going to try it before I write about it on my website. Um, and I did it for an AirDyne at the price I wanted. And within, I think it's just a few days, I set it up. AirDyne showed up at the price I wanted, contacted the guy. He's like, Man, I got a ton of people contacting me, but you were the first. So I'm going to give it to you. Um, and I, I got it. So I think Craigslist uh, and letting just setting that on autopilot is probably the best way. Just leave that stuff running. Because uh, you might even want more stuff later. So I I have uh, stuff that I've set up that I just keep going because I could always use more play through another barbell if someone, you know, abandons the garage gym scene or whatever.
1: So you know, one thing I've noticed, too, it's just putting the word out, uh, just like telling people I'm looking for certain pieces of equipment and somehow magically word gets out and stuff just starts showing up. It's kind of funny.
2: There are a ton of people who maybe thought the garage gym was a good idea, you know, and and they decided not to continue maybe they did miss some of the amenities or whatever Um, and so they they will sell their equipment for very cheap because it just becomes uh cumbersome to have all that stuff and move it around if you're moving and all that other stuff so yeah it's it's good to just put the word out and and ask around
1: what do you do about space i mean you only have i mean if you only have a one car garage and your wife wants to park her car in the garage how do you accommodate for that um, when you have limited space for a garage gym
2: yeah, man. Limited space. This this is a common one, and that some of the struggles they're they're pretty common struggles with garage gym athletes. I've actually done surveys with uh, thousands of people at Into Three Fitness, and space is one of the biggest things that people are like, "What what do I do w- without space?" But you know, over the years, I've seen some really creative stuff. I've uh, there's actually a girl here in Dallas who emailed me a picture, and they they had moved from I think somewhere in the the Midwest. And they moved here to Dallas and they got an apartment. Uh, but they're on the bottom floor and it was like straight concrete floors and stuff. And uh, s- some of the coolest stuff that she did, she actually made part of her garage gym equipment into like the decoration of her house. Like it would be a stack of bu- bumper plates with a lamp in the middle. And her and her husband would like remove this stuff and, uh, you know, work out at night and then put it all back together. But her her apartment looked amazing to me. Uh, maybe I'm a little biased, but that was really cool. That, that's obviously like an extreme situation, trying to turn your garage gym into the t- decor of your house so you can just work out at any time. Um, but I also know guys in California who are killing it in really small one-car garages. Uh, but really, uh, just go outside. I mean, unless you live in just an extremely cold climate, and I'm talking about the guys who are getting below zero, anything else with, I think you should be able to put up with with some extra layers of clothes. Uh, But go outside. Like I said, this isn't a ton of equipment. If you have a truck or a car, I mean, I was before I had a truck, I was lugging around all my stuff in my wife's Honda Accord. You know, barbell will actually fit through the trunk and all the way up through the console if you uh, really want to, and you could take it just about anywhere and train anywhere.
1: Yeah, take it to the park or something. Yeah. Also, you just said that a person um, put their gym inside their apartment, so this doesn't necessarily necessarily mean a garage gym has to be a you know in your garage, right It could be in your home or anywhere else in the in your apartment.
2: No yeah, I like to think of the garage gym athlete if you will more as a mentality as opposed to just having a garage um, because I mean if you have an extra room in your house, if you have a concrete slab outside, if you have a basement, obviously a garage you know a park near your house, any of that stuff, I kind of consider you a garage gym athlete. Because it's more the mentality of, look, I don't have a ton of stuff, but I'm going to get the work done no matter what.
1: So if you're going to have a gym inside, whether you're your garage or inside your home, and you're going to be doing barbells and plates, are there considerations that you should take into account in order to avoid undue wear and tear on your space?
2: On the space itself? Yeah. uh, Yeah, I would say the the equipment's one thing, but the space itself, um, I highly recommend – I used to, I didn't, I didn't say this and I, that's me lifting a garage for many, many years before I started giving this recommendation officially. Uh, I just always deadlifted on concrete or whatever. Um, and to save my equipment, um, I didn't, you know, but I ended up straining my neck, uh, on some heavy high rep deadlifts and it's just from pounding into the concrete. So I do recommend getting some rubber flooring. The best place to do that is going to be tractor supply company. They have like horse stall mats, uh, um, it'll be the cheapest, best um, bang for your buck because you can just get one. Uh, I think it comes in like a six by four or something or something like something like that, something like that, without which is uh, almost fits a barbell. It'll fit where the plates sit on a barbell at least, and uh, that's all you need. And you can go up from there. They're not too expensive.
1: So I started a garage gym, and it took me a while to finally pull the trigger on it. And I was thinking about it for almost a year because I was just worried that I was going to buy this stuff and I wasn't going to use it, or I wasn't going to like the garage gym. So how do you avoid buyer's remorse? I mean, how do you avoid being the guy who buys the garage gym and he doesn't like it and he has to sell it on Craigslist for much less than what he paid for it?
2: You know, that's that's really a mentality question. And it is something I approach in the book. That's the whole first part of the book because I know that that's a real possibility uh, that people are going to, I don't know, maybe you see something, maybe hear this podcast or you see something on YouTube or whatever and you you get fired up for a garage gym and you want to do it, you know, and then yeah a few months later you're like, yeah, well, that wasn't working out, and you know' personally for me when uh you know I'll tell this story and maybe it'll help people relate to you know what they can do in their lives. but when I started, uh, I told you my wife and I were in a ton of debt since then we've we've gotten out of debt completely, but we were in a ton of debt, putting all of our money towards that. we did not have a lot of money, and I was gonna buy that the the first big purchase I like to call it, which is going to be your barbells and plates. And that was a big decision for me and my wife at that time. Um, so I had to, I was like, hey, you know, are you cool with me buying this stuff? Uh, she she was. Uh, I have a great wife and, and, you know, she supports me. And so we did. She knows how passionate I am about fitness. Um, but that that whole, you know, making this huge decision to spend that money um, kind of had a mind sh- mindset shift for me because I realized I wasn't working – working out or continuing to do what I was doing just because I wanted to lift in my garage. It was more, it was something much deeper than that. It was the fact that I did not want my wife to think that I was the type of guy, because we were newly married at this point. Um, and so I didn't want her to think that I was the type of guy who's going to waste our family's money. I, you know, the guy who doesn't stick to things that he starts. Uh, I didn't want my wife to think any of that. So really I, I got a very big why from the get go. And that why was what kind of man does my wife think that I am? And you know, having a huge why—this is something I realized after the fact—is not something I went in like, "Oh yeah, I gotta," you know, do this and that. It's just kind of analyzing myself after the fact. And so, if you can tie anything that you're doing to a huge, huge why, you know, like, you know, I'm doing this—I'm working out in my garage because I want to be healthy for my kids, or I want to be able to play with my kids when I'm older. And I, I say kids because I have two kids, but. You know whatever your why is um, I know a lot of people want to look good with a shirt off and and all that stuff and I, I totally get that but it's proven over and over again that those extrinsic motivators aren't gonna last when it comes to your motivation you need something intrinsic to you uh, that's gonna make you stick uh, you know for a long time I think if you answer that question first you'll never be the guy who's selling your weights for pennies on the dollars on on Craigslist
1: so obviously you're, you're the big advocate of the garage gym you're the garage gym guy. But what do you think are the downsides of it? I mean, if someone's making this decision or weighing the pros and cons, what are some of the things they might miss if they, go, if they don't go to a big gym anymore?
2: You know, the two biggest things that are going to be a huge problem for most people, uh, the first one's going to be weather. Because I know a lot of guys out there, they, they live in like Michigan or Minnesota. Uh, they're still getting it done, by the way. But that takes a little different uh mental toughness than most people are willing to to uh fork over if you will because i mean that's freezing cold weather or, or maybe it's the extreme heat i've had that i lived in wichita falls and it's 115 degrees but you really just have to adapt to that situation and if you can't then maybe it's not a good good situation for you but uh that's the first one you know your the elements the second biggest one um, and I don't know if you get this as much in a global gym, but it's going to be accountability. If you do have some sort of workout partner that you meet at the gym, or if you go to a CrossFit box, uh, which is just a, a CrossFit affiliate gym, um, then you know there, there are people there holding you accountable, people you can work out with. Uh, so the accountability piece, if you have that um, and you start working out alone in your gym – that's a huge factor as well. So I'd say those two are the biggest.
1: I guess with the first one, you can do something, right? If it's hot, add a fan to your garage.
2: Yeah. If it's, it's cold, you know, get sweats. There's, I mean, space I space heater maybe. Yeah. I've done all, all of that. So like I work out in the mornings, so, and granted it doesn't get super cold here in, in Dallas, Texas, but I do, if it's going to be cold, we do have some winters where, you know, it'll drop below freezing and everything. I'll just turn on a space heater while I warm up and everything. And,
1: Right now, listeners of our podcast can get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash AOM. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash AOM. masterclass.com slash AOM. Check out the masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. So. Right. So on to the second factor, the motivation, because that's what I found is one of the hardest shifts to make when I went to my garage gym was that going to the gym, it put you in a mindset. I had to get on my gym stuff, my gym clothes. I got in the car and was like, this is gym time. It's weird. Whenever you're, you know, have a garage gym, I just have to go down to the garage and I start working out. And to be, hon- be honest, at first, it was hard to make that shift that I can just work out anytime I want. And that's... What's weird, it was sort of counterintuitive, is that because it was so easily accessible, there's this tendency to be like, well, I can do that sometime later. So I'd had to schedule for it, and I don't feel like I had to schedule it for... I didn't feel like I had to schedule for it, but I've learned that I had to just to treat it like I was going to the gym five minutes away from my house. You get into the book about some mindset things you can do to yourself into that gym mindset, even when your, your gym is in your house and you're training by yourself. Can you share some of those tips on developing that pro mindset you call in your book?
2: Yeah, because that's, that's a big thing, man. And, and I completely agree with you. When I first started the garage gym, it it is kind of difficult um, to make that transition. You know, it's almost like uh, Pavlov's dogs, you know, uh, with the conditioning. You know, it's uh, you have to train your mind that when you step over the threshold that doorway into your garage gym, that that is, that is a different place. You're no longer, you know, you are working out, you're not... Like for instance, I work at home, so my my computer is literally 15 feet. Like if I were to just walk through the door to come back, uh, there's no checking email. All that stuff is gone, and you need to treat it as such once you're in the garage gym. But some of the stuff that um, I get into about you know training like a pro um, is there's a lot of one thing is as big as commitment and consistency, and you know it's a it's a huge psychological principle that's been researched and. If you commit something to other people, um, that is one way that's going to help you stick to your goals. And this isn't necessarily the pro mindset, but it's just a, a tip that people can do that I recommend is if you were to like get some business cards, uh, blank business cards, like the templates from Walmart or whatever, write down your goal as a statement. Say, you know, I will run uh, a mile this fast. I will lose this much weight. I will lift this much weight. And give it to like 10, 15, 20 of your closest friends, um, letting them know what you have like dedicated yourself towards and obviously put it in a time frame. I will squat 500 pounds in the next year or whatever and then give that to them and, and let them kind of, now that they know about it, it just will hold you accountable. Uh, but a lot of other things, if you are training alone on a consistent basis and, and I've been doing it for years, thousands of sessions in the garage gym alone, completely alone, I've gotten a, a few uh, things that I, I, I've done over the years that have really helped me and uh, putting yourself in what I like to call like a no-quit situation. And one of the, the workouts we commonly do at Into Three Fitness is called the Iron Mile. And this one's more of a mental toughness thing than it is like strength training or whatever. But uh, say you put just put weight on your back, say it's 185 pounds, and I want you to walk 800 meters away from your garage, so a half mile, and then you have to come back and so the the first half mile won't be as bad, but you're putting yourself in a no quit situation because if you have a barbell on your back and you walk a half mile away, you, your only option is to come back or you know or if you're you know you just can't handle it. I guess you could call your your spouse or whatever to come pick you up, but putting yourself in no quit situations like that is is a huge one um and then another one I have is is putting your money where your fitness is, and this is similar to telling your friends your goals but uh, I have a, had a mentor who did this, I thought it was really cool, is uh, write a check, it could be to to your friend or to a charity or, or whatever, and say if I don't achieve that goal that I've told you about, I want you to send this money away and it, it, to that charity or I want you to keep it because money is a huge motivator for a lot of people uh, and I would make it an amount of money that's going to hurt for your personal financial situation just a little bit, whether that's 100 bucks or 1000 bucks or whatever. Say your best friend's gonna keep a thousand bucks if you don't achieve your goal. That that'll motivate a lot of people. Uh, and then also, I, I just challenge people to have a men- mental toughness habit that they perform each and every single day. Uh, for me, that's cold showers every single morning. Um, whatever it is for you, something that you don't enjoy doing that you're gonna do every day. That's just gonna cause you to push yourself a little bit more. Uh, but you know, there's a lot more that I get into about all of that stuff. Uh, training like a pro. I mean, you need to benchmark yourself regularly, stick to a program for at least 12 weeks. I mean, these are just kind of some of the highlights, um, you know, and and holding yourself accountable um, in and how much you're lifting and, you know, how far you're, how far, how fast you're running, like actually pacing that stuff out. Like if you're going to go for a mile run, don't just jog it out. Like you need to, you need to know your paces, you need to know your splits and then try to get faster each time. Be knowledgeable about your training. Don't just, you know, be, you know, off the cuff training that's not going to help anyone honestly you're not going to pro- progress very much and you probably will quit the gym scene because you don't know what you're doing so you just really need to benchmark yourself and keep up with with getting better
1: yeah don't exercise train exactly yeah most people exercise when they go to gym they go there i'm going to do some curls maybe maybe some shoulder presses oh man that
2: presses. yeah that just confuses me like i don't even know uh, i would probably just rather skip the workout if i told i had to do just right just like
1: that. just do that so have a plan have a program
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: This is great. Uh, Some great ideas about motivating yourself when you're training alone. The whole paying someone, I've done that before, not for fitness, but for writing. There's a website out there called Stick, and that's spelled S-T-I-C-K-K. And uh, that's what you do. You make a bet. You put money on the line. And if you don't completely completely, um, finish it... Then your money can go to your friend, but it can also go to a charity or you could do what they call an anti-charity. It's a charity or organization that you don't believe in. So if you're a Republican, you can have it go to the Democratic Party. If you're a Democrat, have it go to the Republic Party. The idea uh, your money is going to go to some group that you completely disagree with, that could be a huge motivating factor.
2: Right. I think if you that, – that's what I, I call step one kind of the, the big purchase because there's really no way around it. Uh, I'm not going to suggest that anyone – and I've looked into this stuff. I've looked into every single DIY option out there. But as far as cast making casts for your own plates and pouring cement and building your own barbell, I don't recommend any of that stuff. It's all going to break. It's not going to last. So you, you kind of have to if you're going to do this. The things that you have to buy and you have to buy quality are going to be the barbell and the plate. The plates are not as important on the quality uh, as the barbell. Uh, but you're going to have to spend the money. And so that will at least – hopefully get you motivated and stuck in it for enough time to make it a
1: habit. Right. So if you're looking for other places to buy equipment or just like the barbell and plates, I know Rogue is the big company out there that they're supplying CrossFit gyms as well as garage gyms. But one of the things I found with them is they can be pretty pricey. So one company that I like, and this is what I've used to outfit my garage gym, is Fringe Sport based in Austin, Texas. They've got some great stuff at affordable prices. Uh, So if any any of you are interested in looking into that, go check them out. Uh, They've got some great equipment down there.
2: Yeah, man, I second that notion. Both of those uh and I completely agree. Rogue is uh great, really high quality stuff, can be pricey. Uh and then fringe, yeah, yeah, I I know Peter Keller as well down at uh down in Austin with Fringe Sport. Uh awesome company, awesome equipment as well. Great places to buy from.
1: Right. So as as far as the plates go, do you recommend iron bumper plates or a mixture of the two?
2: Uh official recommendation if you want to save money is gonna be a mixture of the two because uh, you know, the, the bumper plates, it, it really depends on your fitness, but the bumper plates are going to, you know, dampen the noise. And if you're doing Olympic lifting, you can drop them and whatever. But if you, if you don't drop weights, like you're a power lifter, uh, and you're doing squats and bent press, I mean, the deadlift you might drop, but you can get all iron. Uh, but how I would actually do is buy a small set, uh, the smallest set of bumper plates. I think you can get like a 160 pound pack, uh, for pretty cheap and then, I actually, say go to Dick's Sporting's. Dick's Sporting Goods, not for their barbell, uh, but you're going to get a barbell in the process. This is the best deal, and they always have it. It's 300 bucks uh, for 300 pounds of plants, uh, which is, it comes out to about a dollar a pound. And I think that that's not including the barbell. And so you really get like 345 pounds of stuff for less than a dollar a pound, which the industry average I think is closer to a dollar fifty, if not two dollars a pound, depending on where you're buying from. So. I uh, get that. That's what I did. Get the iron plates, um, and then I have the bumper plates as well. So I have about I don't know like six or seven hundred pounds worth of plates in my garage. But you never want to be uh, you never want to be stronger than the amount of plates you have. That's one of my rules. So uh, you know, buy them however you have to.
1: Right. Speaking of another downside, you mentioned the bumper bumper plates reducing the sound. Another downside you might want to take in consideration, and I found this at the very beginning of my garage, gym. I have a weird house where my garage is underneath my house, and it's right underneath my two-year-old daughter's bedroom. So I work out at 530 in the morning, and when I first started doing the garage gym, I was doing deadlifts. I had bumper plates. I don't drop the weight, but I lower it in a controlled fashion, sort of dropping it in a control- controlled fashion. Uh, it makes a lot of racket. In the first few weeks, Like I was waking her up. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. I had to no, like, yeah.
1: quiet uh- her down.
2: That's something I don't think about as much now. Uh, I, I do have young kids. I have a almost four-year-old and almost two-year-old. Um, but in our new house that we moved into last year, um, my garage is almost like behind my house. And then I have this huge cement slab in the backyard. So I'm almost on my own now. But uh, I was in the military and moved around quite a bit when um, I was having my first garage gym and had the exact same problem. I lived in a really small house in Florida um uh, on you know a newborn I couldn't it, I couldn't get far enough away you know right. I was like I tried to work out like almost on the sidewalk in street now, if I was doing heavy death my wife would still be like you can still hear I can still hear you and uh you know William is waking up because he was a really bad sleeper early on um and so definitely a huge consideration and there's not a ton that you can do. You could try getting a lot of rubber and uh, and bumpers, but it's still going to
1: be. Right. My daughter's bit- the same way. She's a terrible sleeper. So you're always walking on eggshells around her at the very beginning, the very beginning of the first few years of her life. She's gotten better um, and she's used to the garage gym, so she doesn't wake up. So that's great. Let's talk a little bit more about your program because you talked that your approach to programming is not really CrossFit, but it's a combination of strength conditioning. Can you walk us through a little bit of the programming you do and recommend at end of three of fitness? At end of three fitness and your garage gym athletes
2: yeah so there's two things about uh, my programming and and the reason I say it differs a little bit than crossfit there's still metabolic conditioning which are the that's kind of the typical crossfit workout you see uh you know where you're doing a ton of pull-ups and a ton of thrusters or whatever uh, we do stuff like that but I want to toe the line more of balancing as much strength with as much fitness as possible and so that's uh you know I, I put my myself as the human game in, in everything I I do and program and, uh, you know, I've been able to get the triple body weight deadlift, which was 540 pounds for me at the time, uh, and, and still maintain a sub six minute mile. So that's kind of the fitness that I'm looking at and the aesthetics, as far as how you look, if you can, if you achieve things like that, you're going to look how you want to, uh, I can almost guarantee it. You're not going to, you're not going to have a, a pot belly and run a sub six minute mile. That's just not going to happen, but you can have a pot belly and lift 800 pounds. That's actually way more common. Um, and so, yeah, I really like to toe the line of, you know, strength and conditioning. So how much can you balance it? But at the same time, I, I like to keep it realistic for the garage gym athlete. The people, the garage gym athlete is not the Rich Fronings of the world. Uh, if you don't know who Rich Froning is, he's the guy who won the CrossFit Games multiple times. He trains like six or seven times a day. So I try to break down the training to realistic uh, blocks for people to do. And so that's the big thing about, about the programming inside garage gym athlete is what I've, uh, coined as block program, block programming. And so block programming is, um, each block is 10 minutes and there's five blocks inside of that window. And so it's going to, it's going to equal an hour. I know it's, it, the math comes out to 50 minutes, but if you, in transition and getting lazy here and lazy there, it'll be 60 minutes every time. So every athlete that I train knows for a fact they'll never be training more than an hour. It's like physically impossible because if you don't complete something, you have to stop and move on to the next thing. Uh, and so within those five areas, we work uh, strength and prehab stuff. So you're going to be doing, you'll always be doing some sort of strength work in the first part of the uh, your first block, your first 10 minute block. And sometimes that can be two blocks. That's going to get you stronger, uh, but it's also some accessory work to make to prevent you from getting injured. Injured. So, uh, you know, whatever accessory works, that that could be for your shoulders, your back, or whatever, just to avoid injury. And then, uh, you know, we're also, also are going to work on what we call the daily, which are abdominal stuff, lower back stuff, all the little muscles, the hamstrings, to make sure that you're, you know, you're ready to go. And then we have uh, metabolic conditioning, which I, which I kind of mentioned. Uh, and then we have Z-Stability, which is basically the zercher Lifts. And if you're not familiar with the zercher Lift, it is holding it in the crook of your arms. So if your arms are bent, you're holding it in between your elbows and lifting it there and then also general fitness. And I know I just covered a lot. So we have five areas and those five blocks you're going to hit all throughout the entire week. Um, and it's just really well-rounded because you're getting in the accessory work, you're getting in strength work, uh, you're getting in some general fitness stuff, which could be like, just running or rowing. And then you're also getting in the high-intensity metabolic conditioning stuff a few times a week.
1: What kind of metabolic training sessions are you, do, are you guys doing?
2: Uh, it can it really varies. So th- what, what breaks it up differently than typical CrossFit training, uh, because that metabolic conditioning is the closest that we get, um, sometimes we'll just do really intense intervals. So, uh, some of my favorites are uh, six rounds of 30 seconds on followed by 30 seconds off. And running or rowing but you have to have a meter goal for those 30 seconds and that keeps people really honest and it gets really hard really fast uh, but then also doing stuff um, like so, so say you sprint for a, a full minute and then you would uh, you know lift weight squat do 10 10 back squats at 50% of your one rep max uh, and then rest for a minute so the rest is kind of built in i say that's where we kind of differ is because if you're doing three rounds of something and I tell you just Go as hard as you can for until you're done. I, I, I like that to a point, but I, I don't think it's realistic for everyone all the time. Maybe we do that once a week or once every other week. I like to tell you, okay, this is three rounds. You're going to go as hard as you can in two different exercises for two minutes. You're going to rest for two minutes, and then we're going to do that three times. And so When you know the rest is built in there, you're going to go so much harder at the beginning part of that metabolic conditioning uh, that you're going to get more benefit than if you were to do the first two rounds, burn out, and then just kind of do a half, half effort the rest of the way.
1: So here's another question that came to my mind. Let's say you don't want to train by yourself and you've got a bud who's like, yeah, I want to come do the same program as you. Are there considerations you take, in, take into account uh, whenever you start inviting people into your garage gym? I'm talking like legal or insurance implications.
2: You know, obviously there, there's going to be something there. I mean, do you need a neighbor waiver? Uh, maybe. It depends on how, how serious you're getting. Um, but hopefully if they're your buddies and they hurt themselves, that's kind of,
1: they're not going to sue you for it.
2: Yeah, I would hope, but, uh, I do. It, and it all depends on how you're doing it, Cause I, I'm a, I'm a coach. I've coached a lot of athletes. So if someone does come to train at my house, then, and I know, I know their fitness level, i ask them a ton of questions and everything. I'm going to instruct them first. But if you are just, you know, having a bro sesh, you know, and you, you invite someone over and, uh, you guys are just gonna work out and the guy hurts himself um because there's no instruction there or whatever then yeah that can get a little dicey i would just to be safe if it like i know that there are different home owners insurance out there that covers like a certain amount right for that that kind of stuff um but if you want to put together some sort of uh I, i'm obviously not a lawyer but if you want to put together some waiver that, that would be great just to kind of cover your own butt. Right.
1: or maybe get umbrella insurance
2: yeah right. yeah
1: hey jared where can people learn more about your work
2: yeah, so you can go to endof That's all spelled out, um, endof 3 What does that mean, by the way? So it came up with it a long time ago. Um, I actually thought it would be a cool name for a band. You know how the drummer's like one, a one, two, three, and then they go. Yeah. Uh, and so when I decided I was going to start a fitness website, I had told my wife about that a long time ago, and she's like, that's a perfect name for it because that's kind of where the that's where the fitness happens at the end of three, you know, at the end of that co- countdown, and so that's – that's what every fitness means.
1: Okay, yeah, I was curious about that.
2: And then it's uh, garagegymathlete.com as well. It's not a not a different website. It's just with the book coming out, you could just type that in. Maybe easier to remember. But garagegymathlete.com will take you to the book uh, because we're giving away uh, free copies when we first uh, launch it. So.
1: All right, Jared Moon. Thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure.
2: Yeah, man. Super glad to be on. Thank you so much.
1: My guest today was Jared Moon. He's the author of the book Garage Gym Athlete. And you can find more information about his book at garagegymathlete.com. You can find it on Amazon. And also check out his uh, other site, endof3fitness.com, for more DIY fitness uh, equipment tips and plans. And also make sure to check out the show notes for this show at aom.is slash moon. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. For more manly tips and advice, make sure to check out the Art of Manliness website at artofmanliness.com. And if you enjoy this show and have got something out of it, I'd really appreciate it if you give us a review on iTunes or Stitcher as that helps spread the word about the show. And also just tell your friends about us. As always, appreciate your continued support. And until next time, this is Brett McKay telling you to stay
0: manly.